0: Welcome, my name is Andrew East, and you are listening to Redirected. This is a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, or really anybody that has had a significant and notable life change. If you're thinking to yourself, well, doesn't that include everybody? You are absolutely right. And that's why I want to sit down with some of the top performers to see how they dealt with these unexpected events, I call them redirections. And these could come in the form of a career change, perhaps getting laid off, or it could come in the form of an illness that prevented these people from being able to continue what they were doing. Today, we have a treat. We sit down with John McLaughlin, who is an amazing pianist. He is my personal favorite. I played piano growing up and John was always my favorite because this dude can shred the keyboard. He's from Indiana, he's a fellow Hoosier like myself. Couldn't be more proud about that, but this guy has done some really cool stuff, including playing at the 2008 Academy Awards. He's done collabs with Demi Lovato, Randy Jackson, Jason Mraz, and more, and he just released his seventh, that's right, seventh studio album. It's called Angst and Grace, and you could find it in the link in the description. John tells a story about how he grew up playing piano but suffered an injury that prevented him from playing for over a year. And he talks about how he bounced back from that and how it ended up being a really good thing for his piano career. So I'm really excited to hear what you guys have to say about this episode. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can find me on social media, Andrew D. East. And make sure you tag John. His handles are John McLaughlin. This guy's really fun and you guys are going to enjoy this episode. But first, today's episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Sean and I are currently in the process of hiring new employees. We have a ton going on and we're realizing we can't do it all by ourselves. So we're hiring employees and we are finding out that it's a super difficult process. It takes a lot of time. There's a ton of applicants and we don't know how to search through them all. It was really hard until we found ZipRecruiter. And ZipRecruiter just makes the whole process super easy. So we actually have a code for you guys. It's ziprecruiter.com forward slash east. So this is how it works. You post your job on ZipRecruiter and it automatically sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com forward slash East. That's ZipRecruiter.com forward slash E-A-S-T. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Guys, I'm super excited to bring you this episode with John McLaughlin. John, appreciate you joining me today, man. I'm really excited for this.
1: Thanks for having me, man.
0: So we have a couple things in common. Okay. We're first of all, and most importantly, both Hoosiers. I grew up in we India. We're
1: crazy talented athletes. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. I didn't, I didn't read that about you in your bio yet. But maybe. Oh, you haven't seen that.
1: Okay. No. <laughs> did you ever play sports? You didn't find anything about my high school swimming career? Wait, is that a thing? Did
0: you have a no, high school? No. Okay. Okay. I was about to say. Um,
1: I, was I did gonna... swim. But it's not article worthy.
0: Gotcha. I was confused. I always thought that you went to Broad Ripple High School, but you went to uh, Highland. Is that right?
1: I went to Highland, yeah, which is sadly no more. (laughs) It's gone. There's no more Highland. It's gone. (laughs) Well, the the building is still there, but it's a middle school. So some changes have happened. Gotcha. I used to live in Broad Ripple, though. Okay. Right down the street.
0: I remember in high school to this day, you're like the talk of the town. Any concert that goes on that you play in Indiana, it's like me and my friends are freaking there. So
1: it's, oh uh, man, that's great. Great. Uh, And I
0: I do need to tell you just to get all the fanboying out of the way I've had your song, We All Need Saving, Uh on my pregame playlist for football ever since high school. So what is that, like nine, 10 years? So it's just like, it's a weird pregame song, but it mellows me out. It's good.
1: You know what I love about that? Two things. Obviously, I'm flattered because that's my song. <laughs> but when I was, when I was uh, in high school playing sports or whatever, I would, I would have like my headphones on, and I would be like slyly listening to Sarah McLachlan, like the, the <laughs> chillest Sarah McLachlan piano vocal song. Everybody else is listening to like ACDC or whatever. So I'm glad to hear that you were kind of in my same lane.
0: There. Yeah. What sports did you play? Swimming?
1: It was mainly swimming. That was like I swam like year round. Gotcha. I took a semester off to play tennis and a semester off to sit on the bench on the soccer team. Well, that, that was it. That's great. Yeah. Sounds like a good time.
0: Okay. So I usually have people start off, if you don't mind jumping in, just telling us about like your upbringing. Like what was your family situation like? Tell us about your high school career, whatever you want to throw in
1: there. Yeah. So I grew up in Indiana in Anderson. I've got an uh, older brother, six years older sister right in the middle, three years older, mom and dad. My dad was uh, a musician. So when I kind of came on the scene, he was still traveling with his band, touring around, playing gigs on the weekend. He actually, he met my mom, who my mom is from Texas. He met my mom while on the road, playing you know, a gig in Victoria, Texas, wow. and they met at the show. So music, it's in our blood. So music was just kind of all around. My brother and sister were taking piano lessons and voice lessons and drum lessons. And it was just like, we were that house. It was just music always happening. So it wasn't even really, I don't remember deciding that I wanted to do music. It was just like, I don't have a memory where I wasn't playing music. So started playing piano, started taking lessons, hated taking lessons.
0: I was about to ask
1: even to this day, I don't, I'm not the greatest work ethic. You know what I mean? Like I like, like, but I'm a terrible reader. I don't like reading music. You know, I've been playing piano for 32 years now. And if you set some music down right in front of me, I would immediately start sweating. (laughs) That's just not my forte. But if someone else sat down and played it, I could hear it. And then I could probably play the gist of it after I hear it. But I'm not good at reading it. So.
0: so you're saying you're a genius is what you're, is no, what you're telling
1: not. me. No, That's... I'm saying I'm lazy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but my brother's the opposite. He was a great reader and had a great work ethic. And so he would learn the songs and then I would just listen to him practicing. And then I, I would go to my lesson and I could kind of, there's actually, there's a story where my brother was playing, he was learning Maple Leaf Rag. You know, which is, uh, let's see if I've got. Here we go. (laughs) That song, you know? Amazing. And it's actually in the key of A flat, right? So so I go into my lesson and I've got the sheet music in front of me. It's key of A flat, but I'm not reading it at all. I'm just pretending to read it and I'm playing it, but I'm in the wrong key because I don't know, you know, I don't remember what key it's in. I'm just pretending like I'm reading my music, but really... I'm playing it from memory, from hearing my brother practice it. So I would get busted every now and then. <laughs> but so I hated, I hated taking lessons, but I took lessons until I was in high school. And then I quit for a little bit. And then, long story short, got back into music. And then when I went to college, I started writing songs. And then that's kind of when I started doing what I'm doing now. So it's been 15, 16 years of doing this.
0: Are your siblings pursuing a career in music as well or no?
1: No, my sister, you know, we all did music in some form up until college. And then my sister kind of went the business route. So she's crushing it in the business world. And my brother is a teacher. He's an awesome drummer. His wife is a like jazz pianist and they play together. But during the day, he's teaching at high school. Gotcha.
0: First of all, hilarious That you acknowledge your lack of work ethic. (laughs) I love that. So I'm curious. I feel like everybody has the experience where their parents put them into music lessons. They hated it. And then they quit. What was it that had you going back to it? Was it your parents forcing you to do it? Or was it, hey, I'm good at this? Or was it something else?
1: Well, I think that my parents, they recognized that I had a knack for it. On some level, there was some actual talent to work with there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was just being lazy, you know, <laughs> so. Gotcha. But to their credit, for years and years and years, like every week, I would try to talk them out of piano lessons. And every week they would talk me, they would like sit for like an hour and just hear me out. And then they would talk me back into it. And you know, my dad traveled a lot. So a lot of this was like, I would talk to my mom and then my dad would call like he did every night when he was (laughs) on the road. He would talk to me for like 45 minutes. By the end of the call, he would have talked me back into like trying it out for one more week. I mean, this was like our weekly ritual. (laughs) I have no idea how how they had so much energy and patience, but they did that for years and years and years. And then when I got into high school, I got into an accident rollerblading where I broke both my arms at the same time, which is not fun. I remember the day I got my cast off, they bought me an electric guitar. That was kind of my gift when I got my cast off. And I think that they were like, we got to ease up on the piano, but let's just keep him in music somehow. You know, I think they just felt like if they could keep me sticking with music in some form that I would come around and realize that this is my thing.
0: Yeah, so I was going to bring up the injury because it seems like a pretty pivotal point. I mean, when you're in a cast, it probably was a couple months that you were in the cast?
1: it was two months. Yeah, double casts.
0: And so I read somewhere that as soon as you got your cast off, you found your muse. Is that true? Or is it just like your passion was reignited?
1: No, I mean, it's funny. I think the accident was a pivotal event, but not in the way that you would expect it to be. I think I needed to... You know, at that time I I had been taking piano lessons for twelve years and I was just burnt out. It's why I'm not I have kids now and I'm not rushing them into taking piano lessons or really doing anything intensely while they're this young. Because by the time I was I had the accident, I was so burnt out on music and piano that I think it gave me sort of the break that I needed. Hmm. So the next three, four years I didn't really do anything in music as far as piano was concerned, like classical piano, which is what I studied all grown up. But it was the church that we were going to that had a a youth band, and they were looking for a keyboard player, like my senior year of high school. And I didn't want to do it, and they kept kind of asking and asking. And I found out that you didn't have to read music. Like nobody in the band could actually read music. (laughs) You just kind of read chords, and you play if it's, you know, G, C, D, G, within those chords, you play whatever you want. And I was like, oh, that changes everything. I can just make up whatever I want to make up rather than having to read notes on a page, which up until that point, that's what music was to me. It was sitting at a piano with sheet music in front of you, sweating, trying to get through it. So that opened up a whole new world of music to me. And that's kind of when I started writing songs. And, that's how I
0: got back into it. Dude, I feel like I'm talking to Mozart right now. No joke. So I, I mean, I've considered myself a piano player, a guitar player, and I need to read music, although I'm no good at it. I'm really slow. But I, can, I, I also can kind of play by ear. So I, I guess I can yeah. experience both things. And just listening to you talk, it's amazing to me that you just can sit down on the piano, know the chords, and just play with the song. It's amazing. It is an amazing talent that you have. I am curious though. So in football, our coaches this morning were actually just like ranting about this. So they always say talent is never enough. Like you have to put in the work to like develop that talent. So definitely, you self-admittedly have said your work ethic is not there. Although I would challenge you, it seems like you're always incorporating music and always kind of practicing in that sense. What are ways that you develop that talent, the God-given talent that you have?
1: well I guess I should say like if my wife were here right now she would roll her eyes and be like he is a work <laughs> okay don't let him tell you that he doesn't have a good work ethic which I think it's somewhere in the middle I think when I was younger I did not have a good work ethic I didn't like to you know like like a lot of kids I just didn't like to do the things that I didn't want to do and I didn't see the value in you know sitting down and you know <laughs> doing like scales and stuff like that. But when I got into college, and this is kind of another reason why I'm not super intense about getting kids into music or sports or whatever at too early of an age, because I feel like even though I've played piano for 32 years, I really feel like I made a lot of, that was a lot of wasted time in there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I made a lot of progress when I got to college. Interesting. When I could sort of see the full scope of everything and see the value in the things that I didn't want to do. And I think that that's really key to developing whatever talent is there. You know what I mean? Like with with you, if you're on the football team, you have to trust your coaches and you have to realize that maybe you're not going to be working on the snap every day. You're going to be jogging or you're going to be looking at film or whatever. Maybe things that I'm speaking way (laughs) above my (laughs) (laughs) head. Things that maybe, you're, maybe you can't connect the dots between the two, but you trust the coaches. I had trust my professor that like these things, these little exercises that he's giving me to do, even though they're so annoying, I trust that those are going to get me from point A to point B to point C, that kind of thing, you
0: know? Yeah. So it's a really important point I think you're making because now when I sit down at a piano, I play what I've always played. Like I'm not – actively learning or developing any new skill. And I feel like in other areas of my life, I do that too, where it's, you just fall back on whatever, you know, and you're not really growing or progressing in any way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like having a coach or some third party there to push you to do something that you're not used to doing to spark that progress is important. Do you have a coach or at your level is that progress found? I mean, I was just running through all the different songs that you've done and the collaborations that you've done. You worked with everybody from Demi Lovato to Randy Jackson to Billy Joel to like such a breadth of styles of music that Uh I feel like that in and of itself develops your skill. Is it? Yeah. How do you learn?
1: Well, I think that part of it too is as you get older, you kind of realize how to learn from people. Hmm. And I think people have this capability to varying degrees and at varying times in their life. But I think typically, the younger you are, you know, maybe you, like when I was 16, I wasn't able to learn as much from other artists, other musicians as I am now at 36, because I just have more life experience. I can humble myself a little bit more than maybe when I was starting out or whatever. You know, I'm not as self centered as I was back in the day. And so, You can go into the studio with Demi Lovato, and when she's singing her vocal, I can, A, admire her crazy singing abilities, for one. I think that's where it starts. And then a little bit more able to, without judgment and without insecurity, just objectively see what she's doing and draw kind of the differences, and then maybe apply some of that to my own, you know, just realize like, oh, the way she's, she's going for those high notes or whatever, she's completely relaxed or what? just the phrasing that she's doing, whatever, whatever that may be. Or when I'm playing some shows with Billy Joel, seeing the arc of his set list, seeing the way he interacts with the crowd. I don't think it's something that I've been good at my entire life, but as I get older, I'm more able to kind of draw from other artists. Hmm. And especially now at 36 where I, I don't have... A coach I don't have a professor you know I have gone back to my Dr. Freeling my old piano professor at uh, university I have gone back and taken some lessons from him but you know he's not here in Nashville but Nashville in and of itself is a coach there's so many insanely talented inspiring people here artists of all kinds I think just the city and community is a coach in and of itself
0: yeah You've been in Nashville five years, is that right?
1: Five years, yeah.
0: That's great. So you mentioned you're not pushing your kids in like an aggressive way. And yeah. you also mentioned that your dad was a musician and always on the road. Did the fact that your dad was a musician encourage you or discourage you from pursuing that career? Because sometimes like you see what your dad is doing and it's like, oh, he was always away and I don't want to be like that. Or how did that affect you?
1: Well, it's kind of funny because my dad did travel a lot. But when I came on the scene, he, you know, my parents got married super young, and they had kids super young. So when they were, you know, in their early mid 20s, they had three kids. So he got a job job, a real job, let's say. And that was what was keeping him traveling. So Monday through Friday for a long time, he'd be on the road with ADAC laboratories was what he did. So and he would still play with his band on the weekends every now and then. But Even though I always viewed him as a musician, that wasn't, you know, which maybe was a good thing. I didn't connect that early on as like an occupation. You know what I mean? Hmm. So that was more of a just a passion and a hobby for him. So I don't remember ever, you know, really thinking, oh, I can't do that because that takes you out, you know, that takes you on the road too much.
0: This is more of a personal question out of of curiosity. We have a kid coming in October and my wife... Yeah, I'm freaking. Congratulations. Out. Yeah, would love tips if you got them, but my wife and I travel so much uh-huh. that it intimidates me to like have a kid, a from the one aspect of gosh, a kid's going to limit our freedom and our ability to travel and you know like when you're in your early 20s that's all you dream about is oh, I just want to make enough money to see the world and then it's like you have kids and you feel like that steals a freedom, but then also from a kids perspective of, I don't want to be gone when I have to, like whenever that is and not be present in their life. So how do you balance that with your, you have two kids, right? Yeah. How do you balance? Yeah.
1: Amy and I have two, brothers, yeah. three and six. Our attitude has always been, they are coming into our world. Our world is, is gone. <laughs> we're we're going to bring them into our world. We're not going to stop our world because they're here, which I think we've done a good job of that. I think Any parent would say, you can do that to a certain degree, but it will change things for sure. But we've taken Luca out on the road a couple of times on tours. We've taken, I think they have both been to Australia like three or four times. You know, we travel a lot with them. Last month, you know, I played a festival out in California and we just made a family vacation out of it. You know, just took them with us. It's totally doable. And I have other friends who um, tour a lot more than me. And have more kids than me, and they bring them on the road all the time. And you can make your life whatever you want it to look like.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you recently came out with your seventh album, Angst and Grace. Is that right? Yeah. Talk to me about how your music has evolved. How is this most recent album different than your initial album?
1: You know, it's funny because I wouldn't say that I have. I'm always interested in hearing the perspective of other people on my own music because I have such a warped view of my own music. I'm Hmm. so close to it. It's hard for me to really even see it back up and see it as a full scope. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's funny being this, like you said, my seventh album, I'm kind of coming full circle where I'm trying to create music with the freedom that I did back in the day when I was working on the Indiana album, which was, you know, my first major release. So in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like it's evolved. But back when I started out working on Indiana, everything was so heavy. Every song that I wrote was everything. You know what I mean? Like the first single was like, this defines me. And there's a lot of passion there. And now, you know, I have seven plus albums, EPs, all that kind of stuff. I've got two kids. I've got other projects that I'm working on. I feel like it's almost kind of like, uh, it's boiled it down to now all the passion that I have is just for the music. There's not the baggage attached to it, which is really a kind of a sweet spot to be in, I think. It feels really fun again to create music and this record was really fun. One of my best friends growing up is a guy named Jeff Owen who lives here in Nashville, guitar player, producer, and he produced a couple of the songs on the new record. And it just felt like full circle. Just felt like I was back at Anderson University, staying up late at night, just messing around with sounds. And so in a lot of ways, it feels like I'm, I've am i come full circle. I think sonically, it's stayed pretty, you know, I've stayed pretty true to my lane. You know, my second album that I did that We All Need Saving was on. That was probably the biggest departure that I've had sonically. It was really poppy.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that seems like it's the most different sounding.
1: Yeah. I was way into 80s pop. I still am, but I mean, I worked with a producer named John Fields, who's genius, and we just ran with the 80s pop thing, as far as we could take it. That's great. So, uh, but other than that, you know, I've kind of stayed in my lane a little bit.
0: There are very few people that I am fully captivated by in performance. You're one of them. Maybe I'm biased because I just love piano and watching Mm -hmm. a pianist play, but it's also, you're an amazing artist, you know? And every time I cross a border driving from Nashville, Indiana, I listen to two songs. One is Indiana by John McLaughlin. Second is back home again, Indiana. Got it. We're warming up for the Indy 500 by the way. So I don't know if you're still go to that, but in that song, I'm curious there's two lyrics that always give me chills. And it's the part where you say they're trading in their dreams for expectations on in inter- an attempt to entertain. And then um, the other is you wonder how it feels to be famous. You think you might lose yourself in all the pictures. Right. I want to talk about the second lyric because you have reached this level of fame and, I mean, your career has been immaculate. Do you feel like you relate to that lyric in a different way than you did starting out when you wrote it?
1: Uh, I mean... Yes, in some ways. I mean, but I still feel the same way in general. I mean, the only way that it's different is that, you know, I wrote that song 15 years ago. No, no, that's not quite. 13 years ago. And that was really pre, I hadn't really started out yet. You know what I mean? So fame was kind of this elusive thing, maybe in, in the distance, you know, but I've always had the same fear of it. Which I think is a healthy fear of it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And now at 36 with a family and the career that I have, I don't want any more of it. I don't, you know, I'm I'm not like getting hounded walking down the street or anything like that, but I don't want to be. And I don't think that, you know, any interviews that I listen to with uh, very famous celebrities, it's more of a burden than anything else, you know what I mean? And I just think that there are layers of traps. That come with it, you know? Mm. And I don't want anything to change this great life that I have, and I don't want my mindset to be changed. I don't wanna, you know, I feel like I have a good perspective on life. I don't wanna be naive to think that I couldn't get full of myself and, you know, become a worse person by fame. So I think it's, I still feel the same way about it. I still have a, a healthy fear of it.
0: That's great. Insightful. I love that response. So you have accomplished so much. We mentioned some of the collaborations you've done. You've released seven albums you've played at the biggest venues and the biggest events. What, when you look back at your career to date, are you most proud of? Ooh, that's a good question.
1: You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is I did a a 10 year anniversary tour of my first record of Indiana. So we wanted to end the tour in my hometown with the symphony, with the orchestra. So we kind of, it's kind of one of those situations where you just book the date and you put it on sale and then you have to work your way out of that hole. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we, we booked the date, we put it, you know, said we're playing at the Paramount Theater with the Anderson Symphony Orchestra. And then I was like, okay, now I have... 13 orchestrations I have to write between, and I think I had like three months to do it. So I sat in this little writer's studio, which is in my backyard. I sat here for, you know, two and a half months straight every day, writing oboe parts and viola parts and timpani parts and all that. It's the hardest I've ever worked on anything. And that that night at that show, playing with the orchestra, I think it was probably the, my proudest moment as a musician. You know? Wow. That's amazing.
0: What is your creative process? I recently read The War of Art, which is a phenomenal book. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But I haven't
1: read it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's like it's really interesting. And I guess I've stepped into the creative realm in some sense. And I've realized like, in order to be creative, I have to first reach a point of almost boredom where I can't yeah. be on my phone, scrolling through social media and like be graced by some creative idea. I have to kind of like lay there and let my brain just go. Yep. What is your creative process?
1: Well, I mean, the phone is, uh, is such a battle. It's yeah. A battle. You know, and honestly, podcasts are a battle too. I'm addicted <laughs> to podcasts. I love listening to them, but I have to kind of force myself to turn them off and, Find that silence. And uh, a lot of, probably, you know, 90% of the songs that I write, the ideas come to me when I've been sitting at a piano for a while, just messing around, or when I'm listening to somebody else's music, whether I'm at a show or on a run listening to some record, you know, that's always inspiring to me. Mm. But I think it's, you just have to take your brain to uh, this other place where it's just total, you know, I don't know, it's total creativity. It's total, just uh, kind of whatever side of your brain is, has all the worries and the insecurities and the thinking about the future and analyzing the past. You got to shut that part off, you know, and I think it's getting harder and harder to do that. But, but those are still the same places where creativity comes for me. It's the same as it's always been just sitting at a piano, and maybe nothing comes for the first 3 hours but an hour four you get an idea and then and then it's and then it's on you know
0: yeah i feel like one thing i struggle with is not getting to the point of that fourth hour like you get discouraged in hour 2 and you're like i'm just wasting my time let me let me go right. do some watch netflix or whatever it is right but to force yourself to reach that point. Yeah. Credit to you for doing that so consistently. You've been creative not only in your music, but I feel like in how you've approached the music industry. You signed with Island Records, I think was your first deal. You've been with huge labels. And then I was reading about Pledge Music, which was like a different, like you allowed the fans to weigh in on your album. Yeah. And you've also done things like Patreon, where it's the membership exclusive access type of deal. Yeah. What's the inspiration behind that?
1: Well, I'd have to give my management at the time for the Pledge music. That was their idea. And I was actually a little skeptical about it because it, you know, it's, I thought, I don't know, I feel weird asking people for money. And they were like, no, 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 this is just a way that fans can get engaged. Hmm. It wasn't until I saw that Ben Folds 5, which I'm a huge fan of Ben Folds and Ben Folds 5, they did kind of a, a reunion record a couple of years ago, and they did a pledge music campaign for it. So when I saw that, I was like, "All right, if they did it, I can do it." Yeah. And what I like about it is, like I said, it just gives it just gives fans another way to engage with the process and with the music. And you know, one of the little packages that people could buy was they could come to the studio on the day that we were recording strings. They could come to the studio and see us recording and see us you know messing up and changing the charts and all that kind of stuff and you know if you've never been to a studio when they're recording a string section it's like it, it will bring me to tears I don't care what the music is there's just something about strings and a group of 20 people playing cellos and violin it's just it's amazing so that was a really cool thing to bring the fans in on and patreon is kind of the same way you know like with the dueling pianos series that we're doing we want that to be an ongoing thing and it's expensive you know it's expensive to when you're getting a film crew in and and you're recording and you got to get to book the studio and all that kind of stuff so part of it is just out of necessity you know we need to fund these videos and you know it gives fans another way in to the music can we give them bonus material and it kind of forces me to Pull the curtain back a little bit more and let them in, Mm -hmm. which is always a good thing, I think.
0: That's great. Are you ready for a couple of fan questions, John? Sure. All right. Ellie Smith 14 wants to know what type or genre of music is your favorite to play?
1: Hands down classical piano. Really? Yeah. It's like, it's my roots. You know, I love like, so right here in my little, at my keyboard, I've got some, I think I got some Chopin up there, (laughs) C sharp minor. Yeah. And I'm actually, I've been working on a new record that I'll put out this year. That is original classical pieces. Wow! I was just in the studio yesterday recording some of these songs, which has been really—it's been really great. It's been really challenging, but it's been so refreshing. And it's—you know—these are not. There's no vocal. There's no lyric. It's just—you know—it's just like uh, stuff like that. Classical pieces, yeah, I just
0: love it. You were mentioning that when you listen to strings in the recording booth, you're brought to tears. I legit feel that way when I watch you perform "Human." Like it's just <laughs> insane. If you guys oh, listen yeah. for those listening who haven't seen this, <laughs> just YouTube it. It's like they give you chills.
1: Thank
0: you, Corey. What C Web ninety one wants to know what your favorite memory from Timberwolf Lake Young Life Camp in two thousand four was. <laughs> I don't know if that's a fair question to ask, but I will. You've played a lot of events. Do you have a favorite event? Maybe you have a favorite memory from Timberwolf Lake. I attended Timberwolf Lake myself, but if, if you can't answer that question, did you really? I did. Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Lots of memories from Timberwolf Lake. I was. We were only there for one summer, but for a little context, in case people don't know what Timberwolf Lake is, it's a young life camp that's up in Michigan, yeah. somewhere in the middle of Michigan. Yeah. And my band and I went up there summer of 2004, I think it was. And not only were we the band for <laughs> we the Young Life Camp week after week, which was really fun, but we would get up in the mornings at like 6 in the morning at least, and we would work on the ropes course. So those are actually my favorite memories, like getting up super early. We would be up in a tree all day long. You know, like uh, hooked in, you know, and bringing campers through that were terrified. And Gosh, Timberwolf Lake. Good memories. So many good memories. Good memories.
0: All right. Miss Marianne Harris wants to know, are you ever going to go on tour with Dave Barnes and Matt Wurtz again? Best show ever.
1: You know, I'm going to say yes. It'll probably happen.
0: Wow. Whoa. Whoa. You heard it here first, folks.
1: Get ready. I'm not putting a timeline on it, but, you know, let's say yes. It'll happen.
0: <laughs> okay. That's great. Cody Garrickson wants to know, what's the favorite collab that you've done?
1: Oh, man. You know, gosh, there's so many. I am a huge, huge fan of Sarah Bareilles. Mm. And we met a long time ago, 12 years ago now, when we were putting our first albums out. And we were both doing that first tour on those first albums. We did a tour together, and she's been a great friend ever since. And we did a single together called Summer Is Over back in... It's 2012 now. I just think she is one of the most phenomenally talented human beings on the planet. So that was a really fun one. This Dueling Pianos series that I've been doing, the great thing about that is I've been able to sit in a studio for a couple hours with a lot of different artists. And it's been so fun. So kind of scary, but really fun. There's a, um, there's a guy named Gabe Dixon, who's a phenomenal piano player. If you don't know his stuff, you would love it. He and I did a dueling piano together and he's one of the greatest piano players I've ever seen. So that was really fun to do that one.
0: Okay, great. You mentioned you love listening to podcasts. What are your sources of knowledge or sources of media that you frequently consume, whether it's a podcast or like a YouTube channel, or it could be anything.
1: Yeah. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm following my parents' footsteps on the morning NPR Nice. Like, I think there's something nostalgic about it, you know, because I always had NPR on. Makes me feel old, but I love it. <laughs> so a lot of NPR. I listen to a lot. I mean, I'm I'm addicted to podcasts. I listen to uh, Radio Lab is a favorite. Dax Shepard, Armchair Expert. I like yes. that one. Yeah. And then I listen to a lot of like sermons on, uh, you know, podcast sermons, even like from churches that I don't even know anything about these pastors or whatever. I'll just find it on my app, listen to sermons that way. So that's kind of like my three big ones.
0: Gotcha. That's great. What are the goals that you have for your career or could be life in general at this point in your life?
1: You know, right now I, um, it sounds cheesy, but like every day, I, literally this morning, my wife and I were walking our daughter to school, got a coffee, walking back home. And we're like, "God, this is our life. It's so good. The part of my, like, one goal on the list is just to maintain this great life. Like, I want to I wanna be able to just keep creating music. And obviously, with kids, like, supporting my family, it's just got to be a part of that equation. And so far, it's been able to happen. I think that the things change. What I'm working on changes, you know? I've got a podcast that Dave Barnes and I are starting that we're, we're going to launch here in a couple months. I'm working on this new classical piano record, always working on new music, getting into the orchestrations for symphonies and stuff like that. that so there's always new things that I'm working on, but it's always to the pursuit of staying inspired in the arts mm. and supporting my family. You know, that's it.
0: That's great. You mentioned going to get a coffee. and I always say on your Instagram stories that you're trying to perfect the art of the cappuccino making that i'm gonna have to have you over maybe this weekend i don't know what your plans are but i make a pretty good cappuccino we got a we got this yeah we got a machine in december and i'm pretty pumped about it so we'll have to have a
1: what's the machine can we nerd out for a second what's the
0: machine? so we got the breville oracle it's kind of like the automatic version of uh of the breville and i'm not a barista but it makes pretty good coffee and it frosts the milk just right. Yeah. Fantastic. What do you have?
1: We have a Breville, but it's, I don't know what the like model number is, but it's the, it's it's the manual. Do
0: you tamp it yourself? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Kind of old school. I like that. Old school. If you could give the audience three takeaways that you've learned over the past however many years that they might be able to apply to their life, what would those be?
1: Three takeaways. Here's my three takeaways. (laughs) I would say, for me personally, number one is follow Jesus. Number two is you got to stay true to yourself, which I think it's tough. I think in the, in the beginning of my career, I think I, didn't, I wasn't quite exactly sure what my voice was, what my sound was. And if you don't know, especially once you get in the game and you're, you know, you've got all these pieces, label, management, agents, all that kind of stuff, someone will tell you what it is if you don't tell them. <laughs> And you want it to be you telling them, you know? Hmm. So I think follow Jesus, stay true to who you are, and let that guide you. Let that guide whatever it is, whatever it, If it's your, the songs you're writing, the business you're starting, whatever. And number three, relax. It's all going to be fine. Whatever battle is happening that day, it's just that day's battle. Don't make it that week's battle, you know? Wow, I love that.
0: One thing on the second point you made of stay true to yourself, yeah. you mentioned you want to tell other people what your vision is and you don't want them to tell you what the vision is. Yeah. This is something that I've recently had a revelation on. I was challenged to make a vision board, which sounded like the cheesiest thing ever, but I've always been like big on writing down goals and yada, 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 but I'd never made a vision board. And the process of actually like forcing myself to think about what it is I want, whether that's, you know, like, my voice, or what type of content we're going to be sharing, or what I wanted my football to career to look like in five years, was an extremely beneficial exercise. So, I think a lot of people, honestly, and me up until I was forced to do this by a mentor, didn't really have a vision or an idea of what I wanted to pursue. And it's worth taking a day to iron that out a little bit, you know. But, totally. John, I appreciate you sitting I, down for this I conversation.
1: As an artist, I always thought. I'm making a list of goals, but it's not like I'm an artist. That's not what I do. That's the other side of my brain. I don't think with that side, you know, yeah. and it wasn't until like you're saying, it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I really see the value in that.
0: Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. John, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. I really enjoyed this conversation and uh, I look forward to more in the future.
1: Thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate yeah. it.
0: If you haven't yet, please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps the show out, and um, I love having a new audience. I love hearing what you guys think, and I love having you come back every single week.